We've got a very special show today, everybody. First of all, if you're if you're listening in audio format, you can't see that it's not just me and Boz, but there's five people on the screen right now. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Adrian Boz, but we've got Annie Sakamoto and then some co-owners and trainers from her gym as well. So Annie, welcome. And if you wouldn't mind, kind of give the little crew an intro. You bet. First of all, thanks for having me. Such an honor to be with you, gentlemen, um, and an honor to be with both of these ladies. So to my left, this is Kelly Greco. She is the other owner of our gym. Um, she is a 14-year CrossFitter. Uh, she was in the Games in 2015 in the 45 to 49-year-old division. Nice. Um, she's done the Open every year since 2011 um, awesome. and is about to be 54 years old next Tuesday. Ooh, so, happy birthday. Yeah. Um, and then to my right, this is Haley Juris. She has been a coach at Central for what a good five years, at least six years. She's been crossfitting on and off for about 15 years. D1 track athlete, 400 meter hurdles, so not very athletic. No, not uh, explosive at all. Not, not explosive, not athletic. And if you see her move, it's absolute garbage. Yeah. I imagine not very graceful. No, yeah. not at all. Exactly. Um, but she's got a cute smile. So when we, we invite her on the show, <laughs> you know, I, I think for some background of where this whole podcast episode came from is. You know, we wanted to, you know, reach out and just have you on the show, Annie, and just, you know, kind of reminisce about some stuff. And you've got a, a lot of CrossFit history. You're an affiliate owner. The whole nine yards, you check a lot of boxes. And then, you know, Adrian and I like to go back through the past episodes of, of VNR and see what people are leaving for comments, questions, topics that they want covered. And we just, over the course of however many weeks or months, started to compile like a fair number of topics and questions specifically on women's issues, which, you know, is Adrian's and mine's specialty on this planet, you know, so. You know, Absolutely, we, yes. We at least, we knew when we were in above our heads, and so we're like, look, all right, I'm gonna, we're gonna have Andy on anyway. Let's make her the worldwide representative of all women's topics. And when I sent you the questions, you're like, ah, some of these, I've got no clue what the answer is, and that's why, uh, we brought in, you know, it was your idea to bring in some other people. So what are the, what are some of the specialties of both uh, Kelly and Haley that might help us out today? Yeah, well, I know when you sent me some of those questions, uh, you know, I'm 46. And so uh, knock on what, well, it's going to happen. I haven't experienced any premenopausal um, symptoms yet, but I know it is, you know, uh, it's knocking. Um, whereas Kelly is an athlete. Again, she's been a competitive athlete and she has kind of started to experience some of that stuff. And so with the menopause stuff, I was like, I really don't know anything mm -hmm. Um, but Kelly has the uh, like firsthand experience, not just hmm. she's done the research, but she's, she's living it right now. Mm -hmm. I thought she yep. would be a great resource. Um, and then Haley again is somebody that has just, so, so for me, I think about CrossFit and I love that the workouts, like when we look at the games, the workouts are the same for the men and the women, the payout is the same for the men and the women. Women have been treated equal to men. Uh, and it's probably one of my most favorite things about this sport. But women, Haley said it best earlier, women are not small men. And we are here. Yeah. And our <laughs> way we respond 
Um, so hormones and everything is very different. And this is something that Haley is very passionate about is studying is, you know, committing to working with females, um, knowing that we're coming from a different place than small males. Uh, and so I just thought she would be a great resource as well. Yeah. I've got a a question to start off with that. It wasn't what I was going to start off with, but you just sparked it in my head and it wasn't even one of the ones on the list, but another woman left a question on a previous episode specifically touching on that basically the the equality of the crossfit sport training methodology mm-hmm. the whole nine yards whether it's you're running the distance you know you don't get a lower number of pull-ups in fran or whatever it happens to be you know and yeah we could play with some loadings and things like that but then it's about as darn equal and fair across the board as you're going to see in just about anything and her question was what was the genesis genesis of that or where did it come from? And I was trying to rack my brain of, you know, things that Greg might have said or, or whatnot, but you've certainly been around far uh, longer than me. And I just, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have any clue where that might have come from or any old stories or just, is that just kind of how it's always been? I mean, that's kind of how it always was. And I think that in the early days when, you know, it was Eva and Lonnie and Nicole and myself, um, you know, we helped prove that we could do 21 pull-ups when the men could do 21 pull-ups and sometimes we could do them faster than Mm -hmm. some of the guys. And so again, like, I think, like you said, while the loading should be different, just just gender-based, it really should be different. I, I agree with that. Hmm. It doesn't always mean that the reps should be different. And I'm very proud that it's not like that in our sport, you know, that that it is, we run meter for meter and we do pull up for pull up. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know if Greg, if he ever said to me, if he ever spoke to that, I don't remember it specifically. I just remember that that's always the way it was. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and speculate a little bit there. You know, I don't have the firsthand experience hearing it from him or, you know, certainly don't want to um, speak for him. But I also came from a background where I did a lot of gymnastics. I did some pretty fringe sports through circus arts and stuff like that. And in a lot of those communities, it's just accepted that women do pull-ups, women do dips, women train basically the same way as the men, not entirely, but there's an expectation there that, yeah, you're doing most of the same exercises um, to build the strength that's necessary for those activities. And that's just part of that culture. Um, And so I would speculate that, you know, based on his background, that's probably part of it. And uh, I just think that's one of the coolest things is again, coming from like a really fringe kind of sport background and, and CrossFit certainly was fringe at one point. I don't think we can say that anymore, but it's really cool to see that attitude kind of take hold and just be an expected part of the culture. It's like, yeah, that you're going to get a muscle up. It's just a matter of time and how much effort you're willing to put into getting that skill. But it's not a question of whether you can do it or not because of what you got between your legs. It's just, you know, I, I love that. I think it's really cool. So anyway, do you, I guess, from the women's side of the house, you know, that's very common in the CrossFit arena, right? Like it's, especially if you've been doing CrossFit for one, two or three years, it's like, well, if, yeah, I'm, of course I'm doing pull-ups and I'm working on my ring dip and yeah, look at my muscle up. And by the way, I deadlift and all these things, which to us might be like, so obvious that you, you think who in the world would question these things, mm-hmm. but then you forget how many people there are out there outside the realm of CrossFit that it's very foreign to them that, you know, you're deadlifting and squatting and and you are doing the same number of pull-ups as the guys or whatnot. And I know on, I know when you're just surrounded by CrossFitters all the time, you can forget that. 
And then you get out into the real world and it slaps you in the face. I remember on plenty of occasions, and it potentially could have been with, with you as well, like way back in the day, you know, seminar staff or something traveling somewhere. And, you know, we're, we're walking through an airport around, among regular society. <laughs> and, you know, nobody thinks that I work out, but I'm walking through with like somebody like yourself. Maybe you've got on like a tank top and everyone sees your arms. And like, I would always be shocked at the number of comments that regular people would get is like, who's this freak from outer space? And like, what are you doing? Like, like really, this is just a, a woman who does CrossFit. Like what's going on here? Like I, I, some, some of the stuff that, uh, again, we take for granted. I think the rest of the world does not take for granted by a darn long shot. Definitely. And, you know, we were talking about it earlier. I think a lot of it is just the culture that a, a lot of us grew up in and less, a little bit less so us because we're now um, so, you know, engrossed in CrossFit culture. Mm -hmm. But I think about our moms and they grew up in an era we were talking about where it was, you know, no weights or very mm -hmm. light weights. And you did more and more cardio, like the more cardio you did and yep. the more low fat you ate, the better you were going to be. And so I think you're you going know, for tone in the gym for tone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Lean and muscle. Much anything but right. <laughs> uh, and it's so it's the culture that we've we've basically developed. And luckily, yeah. we are part of this culture that is hopefully going to buck that and show the world that it's not about, you know, cardio and low fat diet. Um, and that women should be lifting weights, women should be deadlifting and squatting and doing pull ups and as many pull ups as the men do. And that not only not only to prove some point, but because it's good for us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the important thing. And it's kind of interesting. You know, we live in a time where there is all this talk of equality. And that's great. I think there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, people having opportunities that everybody else does. That's, that's awesome. Uh, however, to the point that you made earlier, uh, you know, women aren't little men and it, it is, we do kind of, I'm fumbling with the right way to articulate it, but it does seem that, that people are out to prove a point about something because that's what the other gender is doing as opposed to, Hey, there's a ton of benefit in this and that's worth it for its own merit. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so like, it's cool that it nets out to, hey, everybody's doing the same program and everybody can do the same exercises, stuff like that. But the real meat and potatoes, I think, can be missed if that's the only attitude you're taking. And the real meat and potatoes is like, yeah, the reason to do all of these things is because it's good for anybody. And it's right. not exclusive to, you know, one gender or the other. Yeah, that kind of, that links to yet another question, which again, everyone's leading me down these paths. That wasn't the ones that <laughs> I, I highlighted for Annie, but uh, some woman asked in a previous show that, hey, the workouts that we're doing, you know, either were created originally by guys, maybe for guys and, and aren't us as women or we as women just getting these recycled guy workouts? And shouldn't we be doing something different and specific for women? And, and I read the question several times, and maybe I was missing something. And unfortunately, I don't have her face to face to have a conversation. But, you know, I wanted to say to her, like, I've never, when I've programmed a workout, thought to myself, okay, now I'm making the guys work out and mm -hmm. some women will just happen to do it, you know, because as, as, as a human being, man or woman, you've got to be pulling off the ground. You've got to be going below parallel. You've got to do upper body gymnastics pulling. We're going to run. We're going to sprint. We're going to jump. Like, like there are these universal things regardless of male or female. And those are what the workouts are constructed around. 
not specifically because you're a man or specifically because you're a woman, this universal broad adaptation that happens to fit really wonderfully because you're a human being on planet Earth, that we have a tremendous amount of overlap. And maybe there are going to be some specific differences at other stages in life that we can talk to later on. But I think the overwhelming majority of the time for most people, if you are doing good, well thought out, varied programming, the workout of the day is going to serve you just fine, you know, be it be it man or be it woman. And that's my two cents, but I'd love to hear from the panel if I'm wildly off base with that. I'll start really quick, but then I'd love to hear what both of you say. Yeah, it's like, define for me a male movement and define for me a Mm. female movement. Mm -hmm. Because in my mind, like you're saying, they're universal. It doesn't matter what gender you are or, you know, what, what you subscribe to. It is, these are universal movements that we should all be doing. Mm -hmm. Thoughts? 100%. I agree with you, right? At the end of the day, bodies are bodies and there's some like subtleties through phases of life that we need to adapt and pay attention to. But like you said, what benefits one body is probably going to benefit another. And there's certain things, necessities that we need to hit to keep you well-rounded, whether you're male, female, or anywhere along the spectrum of that. Yeah. Boz, do you have anything before I just start to literally fall yeah. down rabbit hole after yeah, rabbit hole? My brain is going in 15 <laughs> different directions. I, I do. That You know, that last question that you uh, uh, posed, I think it's really interesting too. And I think a lot of people that don't necessarily have as much um, proximity to the CrossFit history might not understand is that I, I reject the idea that most of these old school CrossFit workouts were thought of by a male trainer exclusively. I mean, you know, yeah, it was Greg's program and Greg's gym, but I can remember distinctly going to the original CrossFit Santa Cruz gym in this probably 2005 and being coached by Nicole Carroll through a workout. It was brutal. I still remember it was dumbbell thrusters and 400 meter repeats. It was awful. <laughs> and, uh, and, and what really struck me about the gym at that time is I was looking around and I wasn't quite sure who was staff and who wasn't, but it appeared to me that there were a lot more female coaches at that time than there were male coaches. And, you know, Annie, you being such a, a part of that original crew, can you speak to that? Like what, what, is it true that the, the men were creating all the workouts and this is predominantly uh, a male centric uh, kind of thing, or, or was it like I thought uh, a little bit more um, even across the board, as far as who was generating these workouts and putting them together and that sort of thing? I mean, maybe at its inception, it was Greg because it was his idea. Right. And but, sure. but we're talking yeah. about like, late 90s if we really want to be honest about mm-hmm. when and he would say it was in the 70s but when he had clients and was and was coaching small classes it was great but it was also Lauren and yeah. in fact, like you're right. My first coach was Lauren. It was not Greg. And I took the Monday, yep. Wednesday, Friday class at 7.30. And Lauren was my coach. And Lauren taught me how to do a muscle up. And Lauren taught me how to snatch. Um, and Lonnie was there teaching me how to squat. And Eva was yep. there teaching me how to hang power clean. And there was a lot of, you know, there was Mike Weaver. There was Matt Mass. There were some guys that were in the gym. But there was, like you're saying, there was just as many female trainers. Um, and I don't know if people know, but, you know, Lauren did a lot of those main site workouts she was a programmer uh in the early days for a lot of those workouts and yes greg's name is the first name that we all think of but um there was a lot of females that were very prominent and that Mm -hmm. were helping influence uh the training and the workouts in those days yeah well as as a follow-up to that before we let pat just get it you know 
shuttle us down the rabbit holes. I, I'm really curious, and I know I've heard the story in the past, but but I can't recall it off the top of my head. How did you get involved? Like, how do you go from, oh, I'm just, you know, in Santa Cruz to falling in with this kind of scrappy upstart gym to now it's your life? I mean, how, how does that happen? So uh, I'll try and keep it as condensed as possible. I I was teaching cardio kickboxing and like super unsexy, like a rope, just think aerobics. You know, I thought I was all that. Um, and, but I was really getting into it. And I had a couple of different studios around town that I was teaching at thought I was like Miss Fitness. And, um, Eva T who I had known previously came into one of my classes. She's like, your class was great, but you should take CrossFit. And I was like, I'd heard about it just barely being here in Santa Cruz. And I was like, nah, you know, I don't throw up doing kickboxing. I don't think <laughs> I want to do your, your CrossFit where people throw up. Like, and she was like, no, come to a personal session with me and I'll show you. So I did a personal session. She was great. She, you know, it was uh, 10 deadlifts at 65 pounds, 10 pastors on a pommel horse because we had a pommel horse and a 400 meter. Oh, cool. And I remember doing it and I, there was no way to impart intensity because I did it by myself and I had never done CrossFit. And I like was done with my three rounds and I was like, yeah, obviously kickboxing is harder than CrossFit because that was <laughs> easy. Came back, did a class. Um, and Greg figured out, you know, I even, even must have said something. And we did a class where they staggered the start and it was catch the person in front of you. Don't let the oh, person. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. welcome to intensity. Um, <laughs> and I did 75. I did, it was three rounds and I ended up doing 75 glute ham sit-ups all the way to the ground, all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the next day I was sore the day after that. I couldn't laugh, fart, cough, sneeze, breathe, like without being shooting game. And oh, no. you know, and it's it's the classic early day CrossFit story. Either that was like you're you were hooked, yeah, uh, or you were like, no thanks, I never want to do that again. And I was 100 percent hooked. Um and, you know, as soon as I was well, again, I started coming back. I took the Monday, Wednesday, Friday class at 7.30. Lauren was the coach. We had just a great group of people. It was Nicole was part of that 7.30 a.m. class. Um, and there was this girl, Kim girl. She was incredible. Uh, anyways, it, that was like, I think, in May of 2004. And in October, Greg was doing a certification seminar. And he was like, I want you to do this certification seminar and I was like, nah, you know, this is I, this is fun, but I don't want to coach it. And he was like, no, you're going to do this seminar. And I was like, okay, fine. I did the seminar. And he was like, all right, you're going to coach this 4 p.m. class on Tuesday or whatever. And I was like, no, I'm going to coach it. <laughs> and I was managing a steak and seafood restaurant and I was teaching my kickboxing. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I don't want to coach your stupid CrossFit. I just want to do it three days a week. Um, and then, you know, I took on the 4 p.m. Long story short, it was like, I was hooked. I, I had never yeah. experienced anything like that. I, I loved the the kickboxing, but you know, you're up there, you're doing your thing. You're not actually coaching. You're just mm, a right. motivator, which is great. But the uh, um, the ability to actually coach somebody and like affect change on somebody was mind-blowing. And um, yeah, in 2008, we opened our own affiliate and I've had my affiliate ever since. 
Man, that's awesome. Well, one thing I want to touch on there just from the coaching side is, you know, I've been lucky enough to be coached by you a little bit in group settings and you know, obviously kind of had touchstone with you over the years. And uh, man, I just think you have such a great balance. And I, I think a lot of coaches should aspire to this between technical knowledge, you're able to, you know, take people through the progressions that they need to learn the movements, but you're always having a good time doing it. It's never like a science lesson where you're just sitting there reading mm -hmm. out of a textbook thinking, oh man, when do I actually get to do the thing? And <laughs> I, I just, I respect that so much that you, you have this really awesome natural balance to just make it such a good time. Oh, and by the way, I'm learning something really difficult. Like that's so cool. Um, so you. yeah, thank you. new coaches out there. I think that's, that's the balance you're looking for in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you realize like you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you can't connect with people, it's completely lost. Right. So number one, you have to be able to connect with people. Yeah. And some people just got it or don't got it with regards to like, you could teach somebody technical skills, anatomy and physiology, blah, blah, blah. Like the presence and attitude, you might be able to give some people some pointers as to where you're struggling. Like, ah, you're struggling with mm, your personality, you know, whatever it happens to be. But like some people just got it, right? I mean, like you just, you know, Chuck Carswell starts talking, he's got it, you know, like, uh, yeah. you know, and Annie, you've just, you just got it. I mean, you're, the, the fact that you are on a regular basis interacting with people, helping them to just stay fired up, stay motivated, stay on track, but at the same time, being relentless with them and holding them to a high standard is a wonderful balance, you know? And if you've got some stern, gruff coach, you know, and they're being hard on you, they can seem like they're coming off as a jerk. But I remember going through, you know, so many level ones when I was new on staff and intern on staff, you know, and, and you were, you know, full-time on staff and looking up and you can get away with so much more of holding somebody to a really high standard because there's, <laughs> there's Annie super happy and positive and like smiling yet at the same time, not giving you an inch. So you can't really be <laughs> mad at her because she's just so darn nice, but she's just, you're just pouring sweat, working your tail off. And she's genuinely happy the whole time. You're like, this is a, an interesting situation that I'm finding myself in. You know, and that is such a great place to be as a coach. You walk in, you smile, you smile when you see the trainer, you know, because they're smiling right back at you, but they're not going to let you get away with anything. And that's a nice tightrope to walk. I think you walk it pretty darn well. Thank Wait, you. What, what were you going to say? Oh, I just was wondering if he was in class today, because that's exactly what happened. She has a way of like, meandering behind the rower and just kind of noting your calories per hour, you know, and very, very, in her chipper little way. I'm so just that up into the 800s. <laughs> I love it. You know, it was one of the things that we talk about all the time on this show is like, okay, what are the big building blocks that really matter? And consistency is something that we bring up a lot. And I think that if you, I mean, obviously you guys seem to have like a really great rapport amongst one another, but I, having not been to your gym in years, Annie, I would bet that, you know, everybody in that place is always having a good time. And that has a marked increase on their ability to be consistent. If you mm -hmm. want to be there and you show up and you're like, man, I know that this hour is going to be, yeah, it's going to be hard work. And yeah, you know, I, I might not be exactly what I want to be doing at that moment in time, but I'm going to have a good time. It's going to be among friends of mine that I've made. I know that I'm going to be supported in, the, in this positive environment, man, it sure makes it easier to get through the door. 
And the more you're coming through the door, the better the results are going to be. So I, like, it's, it seems like such a simple thing. Hey, make it fun for people, make it enjoyable, but man, it's powerful, you know? And I think it gets brushed under the rug sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. I've, I've got one final thing that I'll mention, then we can get into some of the women specific topics. Cause I know yes. that somebody has a, a hard out here in a little bit. And I, and I bet there's more to chat about than I realize. So I want to make sure that I give us some time. And if we get more time at the end, we can circle back to some stuff. I'd be reminisced if I didn't bring up the nasty girls video. Look, I have to do it. It just, it has to get brought up. It has to get brought up. It's obligatory, but here's all I'm going to say. If anyone's oh, unfamiliar oh, with it, they should definitely go Google it. I mean, it's a piece of CrossFit Make history. sure you put CrossFit. Don't just okay, put yeah, that. Yes. Don't Google nasty girls. Okay, you have to clear your browser history. The IT department will get involved. Uh, but, you know, yes, nasty girls, CrossFit workout. I mean, and I got to bring it up just because, uh, you know, as a former, uh, you know, military team guy, you know, I was definitely a... Uh, spent a decent amount of my life as let's just say a Neanderthal. I like to think that I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bit more enlightened right now, though my wife would probably disagree. But <laughs> I remember back in back in the day, just starting to get into CrossFit. In my simple, you know, my simple guy mind, where coming from running long and swimming and doing bodybuilding style workouts and all that stuff, that if, if as a guy, like if I see a pretty jacked looking dude. If I see Greg Edmondson in a video doing 135 pound thrusters and I, I look at him, that makes sense to me. Like I can just look at this guy's yoked out of his mind. Like, okay, that makes sense. He's, he's obviously fitter than me. I remember watching the nasty girls video and doing some quick math in my head. I was like, what's on the barbell? How much is that? <laughs> and what are they, what's that thing they're doing on the rings? I've never, I'm going to go try that. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, and I can't even <laughs> lift that barbell. And I'm really tired after 13 air squats, you know, like, <laughs> and like, okay, I, did, okay, I finally did the workout at a reduced loading with pull-ups and it took me 21 minutes. So like it would do like, it was just smoke came out of my ears. And that was seeing three women do what you were capable of doing at that year in my life. It put me on my butt and like re-scrambled my brain and fired, it fired me up to go do things more than seeing Greg Umminson do something fired me up to do it. Cause it's like, wow, like this is, I didn't even know things like this were possible. Like this just absolutely just blew my mind. So I've got to bring that up, that video up personally, because it was one of those pivotal moments in my mm. fitness journey through my life that really set me on a course of like, people like this are doing astonishing things with this training. I didn't even know it was capable. I'm in, I'm all in. So that's all I'll say about that. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. All right. Well, shall we dive into some women's topics? This is the women's show. You, you look ready to do that. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to walk out of the show somewhere. Uh, intelligence can be unbelievable. All right. The first one is from Amy B. And so I'm not sure which uh, three okay. of you ladies would be best suited to answer this. It says, wait, 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 wait. Oh, sorry. Whoa. Can I? Okay, hold on. Yeah, hold yeah. Go right ahead here. Let's, can we start from the top? I'm a big picture person. Okay. And I, maybe let's just lay a little bit of groundwork here because, I, you know, we have all these questions that users have submitted. They're awesome. Sure. I love that people are so willing to uh, put their questions out there. That's great. Um, but let's start at the top. 
you know, we, we've kind of danced around it already, but like, is there any real reason to change things significantly mm. between men and women? Sure. And, and I think that's a great starting off point because I think there's some things that are an obvious, like, well, no, these are movements that everybody does. We kind of alluded to that, but there's going to be other categories of things where you're like, well, yeah, these are considerations that you're going to have to make some decisions around. And so can we kind of lay out maybe categorically like, hey, this is where you would probably stay the same. And this is maybe where you want to start thinking yeah, great a question. little bit differently. I'm, I'm going to defer to Haley on this, but my initial response would be it's less about movement and more yeah. about training protocol protocol or programming. Um, and that would probably lie more within your age, uh, your cycle, things of that nature. But I'm going to see wh what you think. No, I agree, Annie. And I think that's, oh man, when you say lay it up categorically, like I live in the gray. So <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's a hard one for me. I don't like to bite into those. But absolutely. All think, good. Oh God, and that's why I love... CrossFit, right? Like the, our whole, the name of the whole game is scalability. And so knowing yeah. when that is appropriate and for who um, are those categories. Yeah. And again, it's so um, individual specific, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but in yeah. general, I want to say no, right? Like the, the goal would be to keep doing as much as you can for as long as you can, when you can. Um, but again, like those considerations we're going to have to, and I'm sure we're going to have some questions that bring that up. Yeah, the more yeah. specific, but in, in general, in the general sense, I would say, you know, again, movement wise, no, most of all the movement should be done by everybody, you know, within, within some time frame and all the time, mm -hmm. um, that it's more, um, it's more in the gray, it's more person specific and moment specific. Yeah. What yeah, would be, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a little context there on, on a selfish level or personal level. Like I really hold the belief that most people, it doesn't matter who you are, have a hard time accepting the fact that oh, I can just do this general program that everybody engages in and it will have the result that I as an individual am looking for. I believe that most people are always kind of in their maybe subconscious brain looking for a way that like, well, I'm special and ergo I need a special set of circumstances. And so to me, it's always kind of parsing out no matter what somebody's issue is like, yeah, you always want to try to meet them where they are. There's always going to be times to scale that sort of thing. But I think it's also important to recognize it's like, hey, you know what, actually, that's a non factor. And you should be doing box jumps with the rest of us. You know what I mean? So I think that's the difficult thing for a coach to really figure out is, is when do you say, yes, this is absolutely something we need to individualize for you. And when do you say, no, you know what, actually I hear you, but the solution is deadlift, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the context that I'm coming from there. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so I, I, it doesn't necessarily need an answer. It's just, I, I, I just find that line so interesting to, to see it happen in different ways over and over and over again. I, I mean, I think you could lay the same thing on nutrition, right? Like people, yes, look, for sure. Like, there is a basic way we should all be eating, but everybody's like, "No, but I'm special and I need to be eating the Dairy Queen." Like it is <laughs> that I should be eating Dairy Queen. So I think it's, I think it could be laid out for nutrition as well. Yeah, am I time. overthinking it, or with what you said there about um, just some general scaling things uh, to keep in mind? Because that's kind of how I frame it. If there's a workout in there, it's deadlifts and box jumps, for example, I'm not going to automatically tell somebody, hey, well, you're 53, so you're not going to do box jumps, you're going to do box step ups. I might have 
three 53-year-olds, all of which are wildly different in their athletic capacity. And for some of them, step-ups is 100% the right call. And another one is so is more capable than my 37-year-old athlete. And mm-hmm. it would be offensive for me to tell them to do box step-ups. And so it, there, it can't just be this, well, the calendar has ticked here. And so <laughs> now, from now on, this never happens in your life and you're, you're only going to do this. I think it's, it's so wildly based upon that individual that I think that kind of personal attention would supersede most other factors of just what the calendar has to say. Is that kind of a fair assessment? Oh, we have a 79-year-old gentleman, Peter Thibodeau, who insists on still doing the 20-inch box jumps. <laughs> and he does them well. And he does them often on a wood box. He'll do them on the soft, the rogue soft box, but he insists on doing it and he can't like a boss. Mm-hmm. I mean, can we just stop? Awesome. I mean, for a second, it, I don't I don't need to know anything else about that individual. I don't need to know his deadlift back squat. If you're 79 years old and you have like the hip function and athletic capacity to do box jumps, you're winning at life. Yes. <laughs> Period. End of story. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Great. All right. Um, <laughs> shall we dive in? <laughs> Sorry, Pat. I'll stop. I'll stop derailing. Oh, oh no, you're good. You're good. I think it's going to be a fascinating one. I think people are actually going to really uh, benefit from this. Okay. So first one, this is from Amy B. Uh, last name removed to protect the innocent. <laughs> How do you push yourself to train or approach training on certain days of the month when you're feeling gross and have less energy? Her words, not mine. You just don't be gross and you just have energy. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> you know, because you might have the guy trained who's never lived and be like, come on. Yeah, I know. Can't be that bad. Just let's get fired up and do it. And, and you know, that might be, you know, wildly inappropriate. So what's what's your take on that? Well, here's what I, you know, I think that feeling gross and having less energy, I mean, maybe this is hormone specific, this is cycle specific, but let's face it, all of us at different points in our life can feel gross and have less energy. And that can be due to um, a lack of proper nutrition, a lack of sleep, a lack of water, um, uh, a lack of good recovery. And so I feel like for me, at least, that's where I have to start. Like, am I eating how I know I should be eating? Am I sleeping the amount of hours I need to be sleeping? Um, Am I recovering? Am I doing other restorative things that help me recover the way I should be? Am I drinking enough water? And if all of those things are in play and I still feel gross and unenergy, you know, without energy, then maybe it's a time that I just do need to back off. And again, this could be male or female in my mind. It, it doesn't have to be gender specific and it doesn't even have to be cycle specific. First of all, I don't have bad weeks, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just been crushing it nonstop the whole No, you're absolutely right. And and again, you know, not, not to overstep my, uh, my my knowledge base here, but I would say just like you said, and back off can mean so many things that I think male or female crossfitters can struggle with and we talk about this in the show even though this is an overly simplified version of crossfit like that's for time and intensity drives results you got to go hard every day like eh, it's an oversimplification allow yourself an easy week if you're just not feeling it you're still doing functional movements moderately i'm here to tell you you know what slow burpees are still burpees like you're, mm-hmm. you're still doing something a, a slow jog mile is still getting out there and running a mile like you're good. Like, give yourself that grace just to say, this is going to be kind of a chill week. 
And I think your body in the long run, male or female, will thank you for it. If that's what you're feeling like you need, it's all good. Exactly. You don't have to operate at RPE nine every time you come in the gym. And I don't even think mm. it is a good idea. Mm-hmm. I think like you're saying, you know, and especially as we age or as we have more stressors in life. So whether that's kids or jobs or whatever it is, like we need to be able to, to obey our body and know when it's time to just, you know, do the workout, but do it at an RPE of five or six and move and, and just move well. It took me a long time to realize that. You know, like when I was uh, just first in CrossFit, it was, you just, I just went hard every day, hard every day. And, and it, it just, I had to take my licks and figure out like, oh, I, I, <laughs> the older I get, the more I am convinced that that is one of those experiential lessons that you cannot learn any other way than just grinding yourself out a little bit and saying, <laughs> okay, I, I held my hand a little too close to the flame. And now I understand. I mean, I had plenty of people around me tell me that that's you know you shouldn't do that and no you can't just run through the brick wall every day but you know still had to learn it the hard way so i think (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and some of these questions that i'm going to read there's you know potentially even between all three of you it doesn't fall into anybody's wheelhouse and that's fine just let us know we'll we'll move on to the next one and and what's that will you do me a favor yeah Will you ask me a menopause one? Because Kelly does. <laughs> I'm like just dying for the menopause. Got one. Got one right here. That's the next oh, one. Okay. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. This is from Carmen R. Modifying <laughs> nutrition, recovery, and CrossFit for menopause. Uh-huh. Adam, okay. and you shall receive. Um, nutrition. Uh, I think that does change too, as we, I'm perimenopausal approaching any moment now. Um, <laughs> it happened while we're here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so nutritionally, I think there is um, kind of some shift where um, I think I've protein specific, like emphasizing more of protein and a lot of my micronutrients so that I'm getting, you know, my calcium and my magnesium and all of those good micronutrients. And, but other than that, I'm eating pretty much the same that I used to eat, but really focusing. I'm not, um, cause I know my caloric in- needs are kind of shifting and maybe downgrading a little bit, but so, so as long as I'm emphasizing my protein and my fruits and vegetables, I feel pretty good there. Um, so that hasn't changed much, but that is, I try to keep that. And then, um, what was the other one? The workout nutrition recovery and CrossFit for menopause. Uh, how should you modify those things? Well, I guess okay. we kind of discussed maybe you don't modify the CrossFit side. It's individual. No, I have. I do. Okay. So a couple things I do now when I come in, and a lot of it has um, been a really ego shift for me um, because I have to pay attention to my. As you said, you know, there comes a point where it just slaps you in the face. You know, you can't um, you can't fight it anymore. So recovery has been an issue. So yeah. I will look at the intensity of the workout ahead of time. I'll look at maybe the um, number of reps there is. Is that necessary? And I might, and then I'll look at the weights. And so there I was, so I'll look at the board and I'll put my ego aside and I'll be like, okay, for today, it's more important that I hit that weight. Um, but maybe I cut down the reps a little bit and the volume on that workout. So for me, I'm really trying to stay and everybody is different, but um, but I'm trying to keep up on more of that strength and impact support. I think a lot of women, as they approach menopause, 
shift and think that they need more cardio and we got to work harder and I'm going to lower the weights and work faster. Um, but I think less is more. And so if I can keep the quality of the movement and the weight and then just kind of decrease maybe my overall volume and my rep scheme. So I'll look at the board when I come in and maybe make some adjustments and then recovery um, sleep is critical. And maybe I take an, an extra down day. So instead of working really hard five days a week or four days a week, I might have you know, two days a week where I push my intensity and the other two days I'm more strength focused and maybe I decrease my intensity a little bit. So I think that, um, there is definitely a shift, um, that the, nu- the nutrition, play. the nutrition things that you mentioned, is that just simply because of a, a slowing metabolism or is there something above and beyond that as well? I think, um, I think overall, as you age, your you know your metabolism your uh, metabolism does slow. Your caloric needs shift, um, but there is, I think, more going on too nutritionally um, with the hormones changing and what's being absorbed and retained, and mm. so kind of um, we do tend to lose the muscle mass a little bit faster as our um, estrogen decreases. And so I want to really make sure that I'm compounding that muscle mass with e make sure that I'm eating it. And then there's certain, all of those micronutrients will help the absorption of my protein. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of my thought process on the nutrition. And I guess I ask on that uh, because maybe for lack of a better way to say it, there's a couple things that I hear regularly and maybe it's just, me, but I feel like I hear them more from women than I do from men. And the two that I feel like I hear more from women are nutritionally, hey, I'd love some tips, techniques or whatever to modify my diet because the weight comes on quicker and it's tougher to get off. And then the muscle mass thing, which you just said as well. But I almost feel like that's universal. I don't hear too many guys say, hey, you know, it's great for packing on muscle being 50 years old. That just muscle just flies (laughs) onto my skeleton. Like, it's the same deal. Like it, it, as the as the decades go by, you get, you know, the opposite occurs, and it and the belly tends to expand more than when you're 55 than when you're 25. Like it's the same. I feel like a lot of those things overlap, but I I feel like I tend to hear them more from the from the women. And I don't know if that's just my you know you you deal with a huge client yeah, base. Am, I, mean, am I crazy here? Um, I think that it's it's super true. Um. <laughs> Is as men and women as we start as we age and we get to those. I mean, yeah, both hormones shift for for both men and women. But I think the estrogen drop is more dramatic and drastic for women. So it had there's there's more implication involved there. So men can kind of like their their trajectory is a little slower than really be more drastic if you don't stay on top of it um, and be proactive. Okay, fair enough. In a way, it's less of an event and more of a just like a steady decline. Is that yeah. an yeah. accurate way of thinking about it? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Let's see here. There's one. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody's wheelhouse here. This is from Amber S. Can you discuss what to what to do to improve exercises where your bladder is the weakest link? Typically, heavy lifts, double unders, etc. Oh, no. oh my god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's like, leader. On that note, she's gonna go pee. No. <laughs> cool. 
take a whack at this one? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is not oh, me. Man. It's such a good one. Um, so, and again, bladder being the weak, maybe isn't necessarily the issue. I'd be so curious to talk to this person and ask her when she says bladder being weak, is that actual, are we getting some exercise induced incontinence? Is this some like pelvic floor pressure and symptoms? Um, do you feel just like the need to pee frequently all the time, pre, during, and after your workout? Like those are all subtleties when it comes to issues with incontinence that even mm. for me as a premenopausal non childbirthing female have had exercise induced incontinence. And luckily it's something that a lot of athletes and coaches lately are becoming a little bit more well-versed in. Um, people are talking about it, which I love. Um, and unfortunately a little bit of that is like joking, like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to pee myself. Right. Or, he gets ropes out and everyone like runs to the bathroom. Um, and so those things that reminding people that it's, even though it's common, that it's not necessarily normal and you don't have to live with it. Um, I guess that was my question. Like, is it unavoidable and it just comes to the territory? Like, no, 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 you don't have to live this way. Oh, you do not have to live this way. 100%. And again, we have some people who are predisposed for whatever reason. I'd be so curious to hear kind of her background. Is this something that came on suddenly and unexpectedly? Is it like post babies? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'd be so curious. But there are some things that we can address when it comes to your breathing, your posture and your pressure strategies that are going to support your pelvic floor and your core when you're doing especially compound movements. If that's kind of when things give out, right? Heavy Mm -hmm. lifting, when we have a lot of load, a lot of pressure, a lot of bracing and downward force onto the pelvic floor. um, Sometimes we just aren't equipped to handle that level of Mm -hmm. stress. And what we see there is especially for women, because we have three holes in our pelvic floor. You gentlemen are lucky and have less, but um, it's, <laughs> something, it's something we have to deal with, right? We have to be aware of what's going on down there. And for a lot of us, that's kind of like, um, it's unfortunately new territory for people, mm. for a lot of women until they give birth, right? They haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about what's going on down there until something quote unquote goes wrong. Right. Um, and there are things that we can do to negate or eliminate those symptoms completely. What would be some examples of what to do? Um, So one of my favorite things to do with um, folks who are experiencing symptoms um, is to mess around a little bit with their their posture and their bracing strategies. So again, do we have um, the ribcage and the pelvis kind of working in communication with each other when we're, especially when we're under load? is one. Um, and then the other one is like high volume. We see that a lot with like hmm. double unders, box jumps, things where the diaphragm and the pelvic floor are supposed to be working together. And as a unit and under fatigue and under pressure, what happens is that system, just like any other muscle group, when you get fatigue, things go awry. And okay. as the pelvic floor, sometimes that's a little bit of leakage or for some people like extreme incontinence. Um, hmm. yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean that. <laughs> no, no, that's good. And so what I what I don't hear in this, and correct me if I'm wrong, is hey, you should if you're dealing with issues like this, you should abandon some of these big compound movements. You should not jump rope. You should. I, I'm not hearing that it's a it's an elimination of these types of things, but rather trying to get to the root of the problem and addressing that while still engaging in these other activities. Is that is that accurate? 
100%. And I love that you just said that too. I wish that I had like jumped on that earlier because it is um, unfortunate that sometimes you go to see someone and maybe it's, you know, like a female issue. You go, you're talking to your OB and they say, heard this one, they're like, well, just stop doing that. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me just so frustrated <laughs> because it's just like, why are you, why are we not? why are we not exploring this? Why do we not yeah. want to get to the base of this is something you love and something you want to keep doing. I want to keep you doing that. Um, and also why not addressing these symptoms that you're having? I bet you we're going to find the root of maybe some other stuff that's going on. Um, because just because you're experiencing symptoms of the pelvic floor doesn't mean that it's necessarily because your pelvic floor is quote unquote, the problem. Um, it could just be taking on a little bit more force that's not being supported from somewhere else through your midline, right? If we're weak through the low back, this it's a coordinated system and we have a little chink in the chain somewhere. Again, we've got to do a little bit of experimentation and figure out where that is. Um, and I should say also, like, I am not a doctor. Um, I am a huge fan of referring out especially for pelvic floor symptoms. We do some some breathing and some posture work. We figure out where your threshold is for some of these movements where you're experiencing pelvic floor symptoms. And if I'm still, if we're not getting to the root of the issue, um, going to see and referring out to a pelvic floor physical therapist is my favorite thing to do. I have three in Santa Cruz. I refer out. Um, they're all on like a different insurance network. So depending who they can go see, um, because what a pelvic floor PT is going to do is allow someone to get just a lot more insight, both externally, and they can do a full internal examination too, um, and mm-hmm. help us get to the root of the issue. So that's my favorite tool in my toolkit, refer out and get some more information. Yeah. So I think the important cool. thing would be that to note that there are people that are specialists in mm. this and that you can seek them out. So like you're saying, you don't just drop the exercise. You seek out the person that can help you continue to do these exercises. Yeah. And, and seek one out that, yes, not only is knowledgeable in their field, but is also a fan of strength and conditioning at the same time. Uh, yep. Yep. I'll that's cool. You on what you're doing. Absolutely. Mm. We've got two final questions, but I feel like I can kind of put them together in one. They're both re- regarding Ooh, super one's... question. Yeah, <laughs> mega question. <laughs> They're both around, you know, pregnancies and babies. One's the training as you're pregnant, and then training postpartum. So you know, uh, those might be two wildly different. But Chelsea's question is knowing your pregnancy limits for lifting and training during pregnancy. And then we have a question of how do I know when I'm safe to start lifting postpartum? How about if I take the first one, you take the second? Yes, yes, yes. Um, There we go. Teamwork. Yeah. I mean, just because, you know, I went through two pregnancies in CrossFit and I did it 16 and 14 years ago. So probably before a lot of people were doing CrossFit Mm -hmm. and, you know, while pregnant. um, Yeah. Andy, I'm sorry not to cut you off there, but I do think that's really important to note. And this is something that I, oh man, I could go off on this all day, but I really think it's interesting where that was so radical at the time. And I think, you know, you just kind of put it out there. It's like, no, man, people were not doing that at that time. And it was seen as like, oh, are we sure this is a good idea by a Mm -hmm. lot of people? And uh, I think it's so interesting that the culture has spread to the point now where, yeah, you have dozens of people 
trained through their pregnancy and nobody bats an eye at it. And they're like, in fact, this is a really healthy, normal thing that you should be doing. And I just, I, I just have to park things there for a second so that if people are newer to CrossFit, like they, they understand that many of the things that are accepted today were so contentious even a decade ago. And it's remarkable, I think, how much uh, kind of mainstream um, uh, a lot of these ideas or, uh, have, have, have become. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so anyway, yeah. I, just, I just had to focus there for a second. Well, I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, Greg posted a picture of me when I was pregnant with my daughter um, and I was in a handstand. And, you know, I had done handstands all the way up to being pregnant and I did them the entire time I was pregnant. And so many people ripped me to pieces mm. on the main site for doing a handstand while I was like seven, eight months pregnant. Um, yeah, I'll never forget that. And it was like, I didn't pop myself into a handstand for the first time when I was <laughs> right. You know, like I had, this was relative to my fitness level at that time. Yeah. And what I have been doing. You, you weren't exactly uh, a lightweight, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. It's also so, very yeah, strange. I, I was just going to say, it's huh. also very strange that um, uninformed strangers on the internet said mean things. That's very peculiar. That <laughs> <laughs> would never happen before. It must have been really a weird. different time back then. Thank goodness uh, we were advanced. <laughs> But you, so you were sending me snail mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Writing letters. Dear Annie, this is your response. <laughs> Sincerely, Bob. Um, so anyways, I just remember, you know, I had an OB and we went, Jake and I went into the OB when I was pregnant with Dylan and, you know, we were talking about exercising. And, and so one of the things that she said that I, that I always took with me that I loved was she was like, if you cannot get out a full sentence while you're working out, chances are you're not getting enough oxygen to the baby. Mm. So if you can only say one or two words, you need to slow down. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if somebody says, Annie, how are you? And you're like, I'm doing okay. I'm fine. Then your chances are you're, and again, this was relative to my fitness level sure. into training or going into being pregnant. Um, if you can say a sentence, you're probably okay. And I was like, okay, that's a great versus, you know, going by your heart rate, which is just too variable person mm -hmm. to person. And by giving somebody a number, like you mm -hmm. can't get your heart rate over blah. Well, that's relative to what your you know, your, your, mm -hmm. your so, capacity is exactly. So I really liked that as a guideline. Um, you know, and she also said no bearing down, like once you're at a certain point, like you shouldn't be bearing down. Um, so in other words, no heavy lifting, no squatting, super heavy, no deadlifting, super heavy, probably once like my belly was really popping out, like you shouldn't be doing those things at that time. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty easy. You know, I could still squat. Yeah. I wasn't squatting max loads at that point. And then once I was like really big, you know, for obvious reasons, it was like no rope climbing, no box jumping, just anything where you might, your balance is going to be off and you're going to trip and fall. Yeah. Um, with my first pregnancy, when, you know, six months in running felt horrific with my hmm. second pregnancy, I ran a nine minute mile, nine months pregnant. It, wow. I mean, I just, wow. But I mean, it just, it was like, I went by feel like I felt fine running with my second pregnancy. I didn't right. feel good. And so I just, those were times when I rode at that point. Um, but it was funny on that first OB appointment, Jake was saying to her, he goes, well, what about pull-ups? Like, can she do pull-ups? And the lady was like, well, yeah, as long as she's safe getting on and off the pull-up machine, she should be fine. And Jake's like, 
no, there's no machine. You don't get it. And like she, you know, this is 16 years ago. Like she, right. yeah. Me, there's no machine. She's a female. She's doing it. Yeah, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I and then I omitted sit-ups, and we were talking about this earlier because you don't you don't want to tighten your abdominal wall. Like that is a time when you do want mm-hmm. that abdominal wall to relax and loosen and soften. So I omitted sit-ups uh, pretty early on. Um, yeah, and that, that sounds was, to me that all really worked well. That sounds mm-hmm. shockingly similar to what you know. We've got a fifteen, our third child, a fifteen-month-old baby in the house, and that sounds really similar to what my wife just just did with regards to training, modulating intensity. Can you speak? You know, full sentence. You know, avoiding heavy weight. The same sounds really, really similar. So we just kind of went through that in this household as well. So now, second part of the question: postpartum, getting back into training maybe nervous about starting to lift heavy again. You know, what's that journey look like? Yeah, I'll put, yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, Well, and I do, I want to, I love what you said. The talk test is one of my favorites for like, especially women going into experiencing that first pregnancy. And it's also changing so quickly and so unknown that that's such a nice, like, touchstone back into your body. It does so many things like gives you that cue for what feels right in the moment. And also just like puts you back in your physical body when there's just so much, especially in a CrossFit gym, that stimulus of like wanting to keep doing all the things to just like bring it back. It's the time to just be super selfish and self-aware. Um, so that's one of my favorite ones too. Um, pregnancy is tricky because it exposes, I don't think it's, I think it gets blamed sometimes for causing problems when really what pregnancy can do is expose some pre-existing weaknesses mm. that we didn't address. Um, mm. And they just you know, highlighted. And then especially after that, you know, traumatic physiological event of birth, however it happened, um, whether it's complicated or uncomplicated, whatever that means. Um, postpartum is also just like a really delicate time. And if I think about this kind of U-shaped, like the reverse of the bell curve, right? So our U-shaped curve for coming into pregnancy is not a time to be testing, maybe not necessarily gaining a lot of strength, but we're looking at maintenance and slowly deloading as your physiology changes and your anatomy literally your bones will change shape. Um, and then we also need to be just as and support women out the other you side of that curve, that it's not all of a sudden six weeks you go to your OB, they clear you mm-hmm. again, whatever that means. And you're kind of off on your own. There's gotta be kind of this grace period of reacclimating to a new body. And it takes time. It takes patience. And I think having a team in place, um, so an OB that you love and trust and having maybe already checked in or had a relationship with a pelvic floor physical therapist, um, they're going to do a lot more close examination after birth and just give you a lot more information about maybe some things to be aware of as you move forward um, in re-coordinating your core, your pelvic floor and your diaphragm. Yeah. And I think being patient in that, you know, it's like, I know people say, well, you know, Annie was doing this or so meaning Annie T or so-and-so was doing this as soon as they had a baby. It's like, everybody is different. We all have different stress factors outside of birthing a baby, you know, work, family, whatever it is, other children. Um, And so we need to be patient in the recovery process. And, you know, it's just like how I think about CrossFit 
any which way, which is your longevity is the goal. Longevity in the sport is the goal. And so giving up two weeks, three months, a year of hardcore training or fitness in an effort to get back into things in a proper way so that you're doing it for longer. Mm -hmm. Um, That's my goal. That's what I'm encouraging others to do is to be smart and patient so that you're not ripped to shreds because you thought Mm -hmm. you had to keep up with Annie Thor's daughter three months. Right. Well, and and that's, I think, one of the interesting things about higher profile individuals that get back into training and, you know, they can do all these remarkable things. I mean, it's awesome. And it's a really great example. However, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that this person's fitness pre-pregnancy would blow the doors off of anybody. And so you look at the things that they're doing when they're quote, just getting back to it. And they're already above and beyond what the average person would do because their level of fitness is so extreme that anywhere that they started is likely to be elevated beyond the norm. And so I think that kind of gives people sometimes a false sense of like, well, hold on, compared to where she was, this is likely eight steps back, but you don't see that because it's still insane for the rest of us. You know what I mean? And so to your point earlier, Annie, I think that's really the important one. It's like, okay, where was I when this process started? And that's going to have a huge influence on what, you know, starting, not starting over, but starting at more of a baseline looks like, right? That's going to be so unique to the individual. Um, right. Yeah. And, and case by case too, right? Like, like, again, you know, one of one pregnancy for me was not like the other pregnancy. Mm. One recovery was not like the other. And there's just a lot of other factors in life. Um, and just, you know, within our own biological systems, our own bodies that are going to create situations that are going to be different within our own selves and then from others as well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Oh, well, hey, you got you guys. You crushed the questions. That was, I mean, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> that was fantastic. You know, I, I've, I can uh, maybe end on a funny story. Okay. You know about? Oh, we don't know. do fun here, Pat. Funny? We are, hold on. Yeah, wait a minute. We already we already established that fun is not part of the equation. Exactly. That's <laughs> strict strict knowledge. That's but, you right. know. Across and you know, busting through so many barriers of whether it's you know the uh, quality in the sport or just you know the amount of muscle mass that women are carrying around that used to just not be the norm or whatnot, and and how hard people do that because you used to hear so many women say, "I don't want to get bulky." Cross is going to make me bulky or whatever it happened to be. I remember a great uh, classic Greg Glassman just gruff story of like he's showing some woman back at the old the old gym. Nude was interested in crossing around and Eva T was in there working out and she's just getting after it. You know, she's just a beast. And the woman says something to Greg, like, uh, you know, so Eva can't hear it, but just whispers in Greg's ear, like, "Ugh, I do not want to look like that. And Greg goes, well, don't worry, honey. There's not a chance in the world of that happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what a worries. What a fantastic response. It's like, it's like there's very few human beings are going to put in the work to actually do that. I'm not concerned that that's going to happen to you. So you may have other things to worry about. That ain't one of them. Just, I was like, what a fantastic, just cut, cut right down to the bone, 
a response for there. But quick, speaking of Eva T, um, you know, I'm sure you both know she was in this horrific plane crash, and I mean, mm-hmm. really should not even be alive at this point. Um, she is. Let's see if I'm 46. She's 57 or 58 years old. Um, and not only has she recovered and is walking, she just oh, wow. wait. She just recently back squatted. 300 pounds. <laughs> she, yep. Are you kidding she, me? She's shortboarding. She shortboard surfs all the time. She wow. is deadlifting like at least 300 pounds. I'm pretty sure that's that incredible. 300 pound back squat is a lifetime PR for her. I, I, I am, I mean, that, that floors me and like, let's put that into context a little bit here. That accident was what, two, two and a half years ago, something like that. It's early 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay. Almost and and I, I think, you know, if people aren't aware of that story, like the severity of the injuries that she sustained, I mean, like, she, correct me if I'm wrong, like she was having trouble talking. She had to relearn how to speak at 100%. one point. Correct. And so to be in that condition to where what you just described, I mean, that like, I can't get my head around that. That's, uh, that's yep. insane. I mean, that's amazing. I, I'm so happy for her. I mean, that's a, that's awesome. Uh, so much and, to Pat's point. Wow. I mean, that woman has a work ethic mm-hmm. and a determination that is so wow. great that, um, yeah, that woman was never going to look like Eva T. <laughs> 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 oh well, man uh, all all we can say is thank you i know that uh, kelly had to take off so please you know thank her for joining as well but okay. annie thank you Haley, thank you we you know, genuinely appreciate your time your knowledge i think people are going to really uh, benefit from this episode so thank you once again thanks for yeah, having us thank you well as we say closing out all these episodes this is what well we usually end it by saying this is what boz and i think but that's not the case right now <laughs> you've heard from this is what, you know, Annie, Haley, and Kelly think about these topics and Boz and I chiming in every now and then, but we'd love to hear. Go to the BTWB YouTube channel, find this episode, and, you know, post your thoughts on these comments. What experiences have you had? Lessons learned? Things that you wish you knew? Um, let's make this just a good treasure trove of knowledge that we can point everyone to as as a resource. And of course, if you've got topics or ideas for future shows, leave those in the comments as well. That's what helped create this show. So we absolutely uh, read them and pay attention. So for everybody out there, we love the support and we will see you next time.